Well, hello. It is midweek. That means we're back to our Bible study. Hope you're enjoying these. I uh, really do. I, I enjoy doing them. I think it's fun just to look at Scripture for what it is and not try to make it what it isn't. And James 3 is where we are. By the way, um, we are warming up, which means I am on my slingshot most of the time. So my hair is going to be, what there still is of it, is just going to be everywhere for the next several months. So just be prepared. And speaking of that, I do plan to make some journeys this um, spring, summer, and fall. Multi-day journeys where I drive out and meet different members uh, it, within reasonable driving distance, you know, a day or two's driving distance, and do little videos with them, or at least pictures of the like to send back home, because since we have a virtual church, I can preach by the side of the road. You know, just park the slingshot and uh, climb out in whatever mountain pass or desert I happen to be in and, and talk. Plus, we have, we have really good people lined up to speak for me even at a moment's notice, should I become ill or uh, maybe I'm where there's no internet access visiting folk. So keep that in mind, all right? Comment about that if you'd like. Um, thank you for pushing us over 2,000 subscribers. That is just phenomenal. Uh, keep keep going. Uh, we want to spread this good news about God and Scripture and remove some of the barnacles that have really hurt the ship of faith, all right? James 3, in fact, starts off with a warning. Let not many of you become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, he says, you know this. We actually don't have a, we don't know what book he's quoting from or what rule he's quoting from. That shouldn't upset us. The Old Testament refers to a bunch of books that we don't have. It'll refer to the you know, Chronicles of the Kings of this and the, the Book of Jubilee over here. And, and so we don't have them. It's okay. We've got Jesus. So here, you know, we don't know why he says we know this, but now we know this because James said it. Let not many of you be teachers. Um, I think it was Rick actually that I first heard say that he had the only job that came with a written warning label uh, made by God. I think it's true. You see, if we mislead ourselves, that's one thing. But if we then stand up and mislead a bunch of others, it's quite another thing. And so, yeah, but saying that, it's still the job that I want. It's still the job that I, I look forward to doing. Uh, this, is, um, this is an absolute joy to me. Have I said stupid things? By the thousands. Have I said hurtful things? By the thousands. Have I been wrong? So many times. And so I need from you the very thing that God gives to me and to you and that we are to give each other, and that is grace. Understanding everybody's at a different point on their journey. And um, maybe I haven't grown up enough yet or you've not grown up enough yet, but again, Romans 14, he will save us. So teachers, be very careful, but don't let that keep you from teaching. We need teachers. We all stumble in many ways. I and mean, James just says, listen, listen, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He doesn't think anybody's ever been perfect. 
he is using hyperbole there to show, to, to make his point. Teachers need to watch out, but the fact is we all blow it. And I keep, uh, I've, for many years, I've told people, do not put me on a pedestal because it will kill me when I fall, because I will fall. That's what humans do. And there's a lot of that in this next passage, actually. Um, he, he talks about the tongue. And when you put bits in horses' mouth, which I always thought was a cruel thing, uh, I don't know anything about horses at all. You know, I've ridden a couple of them. I think they're lovely creatures. Um, but I've just never been around horses much. And so I can remember the first few times I saw, the, you know, they put the bit in there and I'm going, well, that doesn't look comfortable. Horses haven't told me anything about it personally. I'm just assuming on a horse's behalf here. But that little thing there, and then you pull and it directs this big horse. And then it says, or, you know, a ship has a small rudder, but it turns the whole ship. The same with, a, it's just like the tongue. He goes, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Mm-hmm. You ever said something and wish that'd get back in your mouth and then you could go remove it safely? Teachers do that all the time. I preached an entire sermon once out of the book of Isaiah that I didn't say was the book of Isaiah. I preached it out of the book of Isaac. There isn't a book of Isaac. Everybody's just sitting down there smiling at me. It's almost like the time that I preached a sermon where Moses was building the ark. I knew Noah built the ark, but my mouth was saying, Moses, we will sometimes make errors like that, but other times we'll make errors in our doctrines. We'll stand up and say, this is what God wants. And then we read scripture after a bit and go, you know, I don't think that's true. And you can't go back and fix it all. James is very understanding of this. When I read James, or when James was preached growing up, we, we heard the hard-hitting parts of it, but all woven through here is grace. He told me, you know, the tongue is a, you know, what, is a fire. Consider what a great forest can be on set on fire by a little fire, but this is a great fire. I think Marshall Keeble is the one that said, if the tongue wasn't so dangerous, God wouldn't have had to build a cage of teeth around it which is very, very funny, but that's not why the teeth are here and the tongue's inside. Uh, there are biological reasons for that, but cool idea, cool story. And Marshall Keeble is an amazing and cool guy. Um, he said, this one little muscle corrupts the whole body. It sets a whole course of one's life on fire and it itself is set on fire by hell. We're gonna do a study on hell um, one of these midweek Bible studies. I already gathered my, my notes together. I used to actually have a large PDF of, um, it, not a book in form, it was probably only 40, 50 pages. And that has been lost in our recent moves. Um, and I cannot access what, I, uh, what I've lost. So, but I don't think anybody took it from me. I don't think anybody's being mean. It's just somewhere down that line that file didn't transfer. So. I'm rebuilding it. We'll talk about hell. But this is not talking about um, a burning pit forever. It's not talking about a trash heap outside Jerusalem. It means really the realm of the dead. This will kill you. And this will kill other people. It's killed relationships. It's killed families. It's killed churches. 
The tongue is a killer. It can also be a healer. And oddly enough, in both instances, it can kill by not saying, by not speaking up. Sometimes we kill the weak, the slave, the forgotten, uh, the jeered at, the made fun of. If we do not speak, we contribute to that killing. And other times, if we do not speak, it allows healing to move into a situation. Frankly, not everybody needs to hear our opinion. Social media people. And I've got a very active social media. Um, and it's getting bigger um, because of people are tuning in. And, and I really appreciate that. So I do. Got two Facebook pages, one public, one uh, for my family and, and closer friends. And they're, they're kind of stacking up on the followers. We've also, when I say stacking up, I mean, Facebook is starting to warn me again. I may have to split the pages. Um, they have a limit. It's, it's, it's their program, right? So they get to choose. We have Twitter. We've, we've got YouTube channel, which again, thank you. So I have to be very, very careful. But do I still make mistakes? Yes. This is why I should be your friend and your teacher never your God. You make sure that if Patrick says something doesn't sound very much like Jesus, you go with Jesus, not Patrick. All right. It talks a little warning. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And then the next line, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. He's trying to show we are just not consistent and we need to think about the way we use our mouths. He's not just being mean, 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 mean. He's saying, this tongue is an amazing thing. I mean, do you, are you happy about fire? I'm very happy about fire. Fire gives us many, many wonderful things. Even if it's a controlled fire in a gas stove or fire is our friend and fire is our enemy. The same way, I love cars, absolutely love cars. Now I drive a four-year-old car that has quite a few miles on it uh, and that slingshot, which I'm adding up the miles on it, but um, I, I love cars. Are they great? Oh, they're fantastic. Are they evil? Oh yes, the number of deaths. And not just that, the number of economic tragedies that occur because somebody bought a car they shouldn't have bought. Or then again, there's all that accidents and maintenance. You get the point, right? The tongue's not bad. It, it's horrible and it's fantastic. And it's all according to the way we use it. And there's a little warning here from James that we need to take to heart. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Well, there goes the internet. Yeah. Out of the south, same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I heard a lot of sermons on this passage. 
um, I remember one illustration that was used frequently, that when somebody, uh, they stub their toe, they hit their nail, you know, their hand with the hammer or something, and they curse, and then they'll go, oh, that just slipped out, I'm sorry. And then the preacher would say, if I have a carton of milk or a bottle of milk, and I drop it and it breaks, what comes out? And of course, everybody's going, milk? Although in churches, it's usually a trick question. So we're going, Jesus? No, it's milk. If you drop it, milk comes out. Why does milk come out? Because milk was in. And so it can't slip out and first, unless it first slipped in. And that was a way to make us feel really horrible and guilty. That's not what James is saying. He's saying it is happening. We got to work on lessening that happening. Well, please, I, I know those words. Those, um, those words that SpongeBob, the great theologian, called sentence enhancers. Uh, I, um, I know those words. I've heard them. And sometimes they've come out of my mouth. Most of them not, but some of them. And some of them have been in my head that never made it out. It means it's in me. How did it get in me? There's this thing. Um, in fact, there are two things, and we call these ears. Um, and they seem to be on uh, most of the time. It, it's hard to turn them down unless you've got no hearing and hearing aids. For most of us, these are input devices, and we happen to be walking around on this big round rock, and we're hearing words. And sometimes we hear them on the television, and sometimes we read them in our books. And there's, so these are input devices as well. Uh, the, the culmination of all of this is that, yes, they're in us, but our Christianity and our discipline is supposed to filter as much as possible so that we can never say, well, it's okay, I said that. And we should say, I could, I need to work on that one a bit. And I'm going to do something here which many of you are going to disagree with. That's not unusual, is it? Let's be, let's be honest among friends. There are times that I think the cursing completely justifiable. I talked to my son about this at great length before he went into the military. And I said, buddy, if you're in a foxhole or the Marines call them fighting holes and you're, uh, you see a couple of your buddies get blown to pieces and your buddy beside you is running out of ammo, it's probably not going to help your mental capacity at all to go, oh, by golly gee willikers there, that's quite the pickle we're in. It might be that rather like that little valve on the top of the old fashioned pressure cooker, the steam has got to come out. I don't think God's gonna judge you a bit for that. Not a bit. You're in a situation, but Whenever all you're doing is talking about what this, um, well, a call referee made. Hmm. Let's do some filtering. And then let's also ask ourselves from time to time, why am I having to do all this filtering? And if you can adjust the why, tremendous. You know, it could be that you could stop watching a certain show if this is a problem, uh, reading certain books if that's a problem. Maybe less hanging out with certain people. But for some people, they can't get away. I've worked in hospitals before. Not, not often, frankly, but um, you know, I go in and teach, but 
I worked for a year holding, uh, handing instruments. It's called an operating room technician. You just hand instruments. I did that back uh, to help me get through undergrad school. I never heard such cursing in all my life as the nurses at that, that hospital. I didn't know nurses cursed. My mom was a nurse, my sister was a nurse. They didn't talk like that. But boy, these people cursed. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that's typical. That was in this hospital. But I found it was getting into my head. Uh, I don't think it slipped out of my mouth, but it probably did. It, it could have done. It's been a long time ago. We just need to be careful. Now James is gonna do a pivot here to something really, really, really important to any of you who either have church leaders or are a church leader, all right? The top-down management where elders go into a room and make decisions for the church is not found in scripture at all. And we're gonna talk about that in one of our special series here in the midweek. But in the meantime, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. The more wise you are, the more humble you're supposed to be. The great physicist Richard Feynman used to say that if anybody claims that they understand quantum mechanics, you can know that they don't. I like that. In fact, um, my first doctorate was in psychology and it's sometimes I don't like talking about that because well over half of all psychological tests cannot be replicated, which means, you know, we thought we knew something, but we don't know that. Science is always a river. It's always moving and changing. We've talked about this. You should be incredibly humble. Uh, as I was told once by, well, more than one, one top professor, that if somebody's standing on a roof and saying, if I jump and flap my arms, will I fly? The correct scientific answer is not, no, you stupid person. The correct answer is, it has not occurred so far and it seems that it cannot succeed with our, if our current level of information is correct. My mother was not a scientist. She said, get off the roof, you idiot. She had a point. Humility, because the more you know, think of, think of knowledge as a circle. The more you know, and the bigger that circle grows, the more it borders on the unknown. And only those who understand that they don't know can be humble. And he says, the wis wisdom and your, your leadership should be based upon humility. And the way you rule ought to be by your good life and the deeds done in humility. In our particular tribe that I was raised in, David Lipscomb was a big, big influence in the middle uh, 1800s, uh, and his influence continues. He did not believe that being an elder of the church was actually an office at all. He said, no, it's a, it's a way that God has called his men to behave. And he was concerned if you make it an office, he'll become a ruling body. And he was correct. Um, he said, uh, James goes on here and says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Who would boast about this? Everybody, everybody. 
on social media. Well, I hate that politician. And here are the 18 reasons why. No, I hate that Hollywood celebrity. No, I hate that preacher over there. No, I stand against... You know something? Bragging about being against somebody is just not something God wants us to do. Bitter envy. A lot of our hate is based on envy. Um, that person's too pretty. They're too rich. They're having too much fun. Or selfish ambition. So don't boast about this. Don't deny the truth. Such wisdom. Now in your Bibles, it'll have a little parenthesis. Wisdom. They didn't have that in Greek. So just be aware, all right? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's the thing about James. He always takes it one step further than the other writers do. And tongue's a bad thing, and is set up on fire by hell. <laughs> he takes it that one more level, and he does here too. You know, it says it's unspiritual and demonic. Okay. Um, there must be a reason that he gets so rough on this. And the reason is wise people don't act like people who think they're wise act. You know, I, how many times has the government done something because, you know, we know you like this, but this is better. You need to listen to us. We have the experts. And how often has that worked out well? Well, it has sometimes. You, you gotta be honest. It has sometimes, other times not so much. Same with ministers, same with elders, same with bishops, same with whatever ruling boards you've got, the same with corporate boards or all the other. Let's be very, very careful how we're making decisions and why we're making those decisions and upon what they're based. He goes, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder, and every evil practice. So once again, most would say disorder. James takes it one step further because James doesn't know the other books are going to be written. Uh, he didn't know anything about those other books. He's writing before the gospels were written. And therefore he sees this nascent movement, this Christian movement within the Jews. And it pretty much was within the Jews at this stage. And he wants to make sure all right, guys, we gotta find a way to work together because we're bumping up against this other group of people who seem interested. We're gonna have to behave in a certain way. And so he's, he's, he is laying down some pretty hard lines, but he is also full of grace. So what does wisdom look like? We'll do that as we close today. What does wisdom look like? I was um, Ayrshire, that's the southwest part of Scotland, uh, branch secretary for Mensa for, for a few years. Mensa is a society of high IQ folk. Whenever they would come over to our house for uh, just an evening, right, my wife would look over at me and go, I, I understand you now a little bit more because every one of them was a little odd and out of, out of place and felt awkward where they were. Yeah, yeah, that's my life too. I get it. Uh, I've been accused of being cold and unfriendly and not caring for people merely because I'm an introvert and um, my, my head doesn't work like other people's heads work. Whenever you get up to a certain level of IQ, it's, it's more of a handicap than a help in many situations. So um, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not unkind. I need, however, silence and aloneness so I can do my job. Extroverts have a hard time understanding that. So come on, experts, cut us some slack. And by the way, we're not any nicer to you. We'll tell you, you don't need to be talking about James is just saying, just bring it down, people. Bring it down. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. In other words, check your motives. Check your motives. What are your motives for saying this, doing this, thinking this? Number two, peace-loving. Hmm. Ah, don't know about you, but I just got a kicking on that one. Considerate. Well, that's very difficult because considerate requires that you stop focusing on you and that you try to enter the world of the other person and consider what they are seeing, thinking, and hearing. I had a lady that challenged me on something I said, and she said that was misogynist or anti-women. And I immediately said, I'm very sorry, tell me how. No, that's a lie. I immediately went, what? Of course I'm not anti-women. Started listing, very male thing. Started listing the ways I was an anti-woman. But she was a, a nicer person than me. And so she worked with me to consider how something I said would sound like to a woman's ears who had experienced the world in a woman's way. And she was right. By the way, that's not a one and done. I've had people talk to me about that, about things I've said that were racially insensitive or just flat out wrong. And every single time I was aghast. Where had I gone wrong? Consider it. I had not taken the time to consider what this looks like, sounds like, and feels like through the life and eyes and ears and heart of the person I'm talking to. I still have a lot to learn. I don't think I'm misogynist. I don't think I'm racist, but I got a lot to learn. And you know the only people who can teach me are people who are pure, peace-loving, considerate, and the next one, submissive. The next one, full of mercy and good fruit. In other words, I've got to see behind you. Do you leave a line of wreckage behind you? Wrecked relationships, wrecked people, insults. I mean, do you have to delete a lot of your tweets? Um, that, that, that would be a problem. What is the fruit of your life? And sometimes my wife and I, I guess we're in that stage. Every now and then, whenever we're a little hurt or something, we, we look back at the fruit of our life and go, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. Maybe we're okay. Maybe. But submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial. This seems to be a really big deal to James, that we're not partial to people who are rich or powerful or who can do something for us. So he's going to bring this up several times. But we need to really watch out why we're mean to that person or just not engaging with that person and yet we want to engage with this person. He's going, let's be impartial and sincere. And he wraps up this wonderful chapter with peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Notice that you're not harvesting peace. 
Why? Because you might not see it. But as you sow peace, God will grant you as righteousness. Now that, if you don't know that concept, the scripture says Abraham believed and God counted it to him as righteousness. And there are similar passages in scripture which say that when we act out of faith and we are doing our best to follow Jesus, while we ourselves are riddled with error, as this chapter repeatedly says, God counts us as righteous because of, and many chapters is because of faith. James here, he says, if you're sowing peace, and you can tell because you look behind you and that's what you've done in your life, you will reap righteousness because God will just give it to you. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But And it's also amazing that we have this medium and that we've been able to meet with each other. God bless each and every one of you. If you have any questions about Our Safe Harbor Church, please send them to info at OurSafeHarbor.com. Please subscribe. If you would love to give to us, we really, we have some needs and that would be very helpful. You can give to us on Tithely app. Tithely is a great app, by the way. Just look up Our Safe Harbor Church, Spring Hill, Tennessee. You can give to us at PayPal at OurSafeHarbor.com. And you can also give by check. Uh, no fees there at all. Our Safe Harbor at, at uh, P.O. Box 112, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. But even if you can't give, would you please pray for us that we have wisdom and that we're humble and that we only sow peace? That's my prayer for you. Please continue to join us, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. God bless.